This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, Chris Evans here. Thank you for downloading this week's podcast of The Best of the Breakfast Show with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, telly icon Graham Norton tells us about his latest novel, Home Stretch, the remarkable and gorgeous Sally Hawkins and her actor-turned-director buddy Craig Roberts discuss their brand-new film, The Amazing Eternal Beauty. Victoria Hamilton shares all about her new show, Life, and its link to the Dr. Foster universe. And Broadway and Hollywood superstar Zachary Quinto gives us the lowdown about his latest film, the boys in the band. All of that and much more still to come. Now, Dapper Dave, tell us who's our first guest. Not content with being the king of radio and telly natter that really matters, he's also a mighty fine writer. His third novel, Homestretch, is out tomorrow. And here to tell us more is a man that once stole the show in Father Ted and is just as enjoyable when read. Please welcome the one and only Graham Norton. Good morning, oh. Graham. Hello, 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 hello. That was lovely. It rhymed and everything. Welcome, welcome. Uh, thank you very much. I now, mean, presumably, do all your guests just gush about how lovely it is here? Yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, so I won't. Many, I, won't, I won't talk about how early it is and I won't talk about how lovely it is. Many of them stay and that's why we've turned the 16th floor into a residential uh, <laughs> but of course you can see your house from here I know so it's even more convenient <laughs> for when you leave the BBC <laughs> stop 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 come on tell us tell us what, where, whereabouts are you without you know pinpointing. Uh, I'm, I'm just kind of uh, I'm north of the river just kind of past Tower Bridge in Wapping okay lovely uh, down there so I cycled here today thinking thinking yeah. I knew where this was right <laughs> turns out I didn't but you know the shard is like the tallest building in London yeah and so we're next to it I went to the shard <laughs> that's where I went and I'm cycling past the shard going I was told there was a big sign saying news <laughs> no sign saying news so I went I went into I went into the you know the shopping precinct below here yeah 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 you have been there been in the underground all sorts yeah London yeah. Bridge Station is <laughs> yeah, where I you know. were I know and there were many landmarks you, <laughs> do you actually live in England <laughs> Sometimes I think I don't. Uh, Graham, it's so, so good. I'm so glad you... When they said you were coming in, you know, I, I knew you were going to be live, but they said you were coming in person. It's so nice to see you. How are well, you? How well, it's it? lovely to leave the house, isn't it? I yeah. mean, you guys, have you been here the whole time? We did one show from a boat and that was it. <laughs> yeah, we did, because we had an emergency studio set up in a boat in case we had to isolate. Oh, OK. Because I got a boat at the bottom of the garden. So we all went to did, like, we were back on the water, like the old pirate radio days. It was great. Um, and But we never, we didn't need to use it after that. And it sounded fantastic. And we had fun, didn't we? Just in Marlow by the bridge. Um, but how's, how's it been for you? What's been, what's been going on with your jobs, you, with the TV job? And... Uh, the jobs kept going as long as they were going to. So I finished uh, doing the television show in my back bedroom, which was so grim, I cannot tell you. Right. Um, uh, so I was doing it in the back bedroom till the end of May. And then as soon as I could get out of Dodge, I went to Ireland and I sat in a field for four months. Right. And that's been so nice. But now, I have to say, it is nice to be back in the world. Uh, when I was in Ireland, I went up to Dublin to do the Late Late Show. And, you know, I was in RTE, the t- TV studios, and I was wearing my mask going down a corridor. And I suddenly realised I've got a big grin on my face behind this mask just to be back in a television yeah, yeah, yeah. studio and just to see camera guys and lighting guys and sound guys. It was lovely. So, so normally your show comes back, your TV show, Friday Night TV show, comes back with a plum around now, doesn't it? Cause you... And we are. We're back this Friday. OK, so t- t- tell us 
uh, how, so you're back in the studio now? Yeah. W- with an audience? Well, uh, right as I... As I speak, yes, who knows what's going to be announced, but uh, we normally have 600 people and we're hoping to have around about 100. So, you know, it may sound like a bucket of wet fish being emptied, but (laughs) at least it'll be somebody. It'll be somebody to talk to. And uh, because people are allowed to go there in bubbles of six so they can be close together, because that'll be better for sound, won't it? You know, I think we're bubbles of four. Right. Bubbles of four. And if you don't show up as a four, then those, the, the seats that, you know, those seats, we can't fill them. Okay. So we might end up with 60 people. We might end up with 70 people. Okay. I think the max is 100, 120 or something. Okay, and you record on Thursday still? Thursday nights. Some guests in the studio, uh, a la this. Yes. And then some will still be on the EOD Zoom. Let's talk about this. Uh, yes. Homestretch, Graham Norton. It's your third novel. Um, it has rave reviews. Your last novel, A Keeper, uh, was a Sunday Times bestseller. Your first one, tell us about your first one briefly. The uh, first one was called Holding, and that was kind of, you know, it's a first novel, so I I played it very safe. It was a kind of a detective who done it, uh, you know, because I knew what the structure of that was. You know, you discover a body, you discover a second body, the detective is in danger, da, da, da. Uh, But what I discovered <laughs> writing that was uh, that actually that isn't what interested me. What interested me was uh, the characters and the settings and all that sort of stuff. So in the second novel, I focused more on that. And this one is, I think it's a, I, I hope it's another step forward. It is, it is. Um, so, so, you know, if you re- just read some of the reviews, and the reviews online are really clever because there's no plot spoilers in there and that the way they i think the online reviews are they want to be professional reviewers or because they're very good or or the well i think people who love books love talking about books and they love sharing a book i mean we all do if you read a book that you have absolutely adored you just want to go out in the street and hand it to people Mm -hmm. um uh, you become quite passionate about it so i think those online people um are just book lovers yeah and their respect the, the, the respect um with, with what, how they review the book. You know, they don't want to give anything away. They want to make people as excited as possible, but not give hardly anything away. What I loved about um, the first couple of chapters is you've done that thing. And it's I, this is very advanced, I think, but what do I know? I've never written one. Where you, there's so much goes on, but you don't know why. And that's really clever, isn't it? Um, because, well, you, you hope the reader will trust you. The yeah. hope, the, you oh, hope, of course. The hope, the, you, know, but, you know, but that is a leap of faith. And right. I think in, in that, and that's something about writing a third novel, I think, is in the previous two, I wasn't as confident yeah. Uh, in the reader so I was working much harder yeah. and don't worry you know, there is something going on here yeah, that basically... yeah. The, yeah the plot was much kind of you know I, I, I the plot was much more spelled out and in this kicks, in this you've got to quicker, invest in this you invest you've got to go okay a lot has happened here it's really dramatic because it does it begins with a, a big awful tragedy in a small town where there's a car crash three people live three people die and you follow the young man the driver of the car through his life and and yeah, and so there's a kind of a meandering arc of anybody's life, but there's also kind of plot twists built in yeah. to get you through it. It's very so, difficult to talk around it without getting too technical, yeah, exactly, isn't it? Yeah, exactly, and you don't yeah. want to talk about it because you give too much away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's 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 not a sh- if you if people have enjoyed the first two novels, this one isn't uh, you know a shock to the system. It's kind of it's still a, a it's, it's still in that kind of genre. But I think I I hope it's better. Hopefully, you know, as you write more books, you get better at it. Yeah. Well, there is a lightness about the first two chapters, which is is a freedom within your writing. I think because you are just enjoying setting this whole thing up because you know you've got more time because you have this investment. People have sunk an investment in you as an author. Yes, I wanted to take more time and kind of. It's you great. Know, it's really exciting. Thing. Yeah. Okay, okay. No, I, I honestly I. I can't tell you 
how happy I am that I've stumbled upon this thing, which I always thought I could do, but I didn't know I could. Uh, Homestretch, Graham Norton, is out now or out, to- uh, out tomorrow? tomorrow? Out tomorrow. Out okay. tomorrow. All right. Uh, uh, thank you very much. OK, don't go anywhere. I can see you again all jumpy on your chair. You stay... Hold him yeah, down. Don't worry. OK, thank you very much. <laughs> don't <Indeed>. touch me! <laughs> <laughs> right, this is Virgin Radio rocking and rolling live from the top of the tower with our pals at Sky, and that was the amazing Graham Norton. Let's hear it for Graham Norton. Come on, everybody. <laughs> I'll cut myself because it's so fun. Yeah, come on. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. They are two of the brightest stars of independent cinema and their CVs tell you exactly why. The film Eternal Beauty is in cinemas and on demand from this Friday and here to tell us just what happened when they put their rather impressive heads together are the brilliant Sally Hawkins and Craig Roberts. Good morning, Sally. Good morning, Craig. Hello. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, Craig. Morning, Sally. Who do we talk to first? Morning. Uh, Sally, tell everybody about Craig first of all, and then I'll get Craig to tell everybody about you. Oh, I hope you're going to do it the other way around. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, he's um, a bit special. He's a dear friend of mine, I'm very lucky to say. Otherwise, well, I wouldn't be here um, uh, during this speaking to you. And um, yeah, I met Craig on Submarine um, film directed by Richard AORD years ago, playing his mum. And. Um, yeah, right. Craig has just uh, just wrote this very beautiful script, and I knew I didn't have to read much of it before I knew what yeah anything he'd want me to do, I'd be there. So, um, and he's just it's just he's born to be a filmmaker. He's, he's amazing at it, and it was um, a gift really to do. I, I loved it, and um, um, I felt incredibly honoured to be asked. Um, to be honest, uh, but yeah, he's, he's supremely talented, incredibly bright, oh. and with a beautiful heart. So that makes great art, really. And you get that combination together. Um, yeah, just a gift uh, to work with your friends, and um, who happen to be very, very talented. Um, yeah. No, anyway, I'll, I'll shut up. Sunny, never shut up. Uh, but it takes never one to know up. one, and um, there's no more beautiful heart in the world than Sally Hawkins. Uh, she'll never say that about herself. It's not in her vocabulary. But Craig, you can say that, can't you? I can absolutely say that, and I can say that she's a superhero and a master of the craft, and a very, very good friend. And it was just a, a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing to make something together. Um, yeah, very special. Right, so that's all the eulogising, and uh, so say all of us, and I really mean that from the bottom of uh, wherever my heart may be nowadays. But, um, Craig, <laughs> this film is unbelievable. It's unbelievable, mate. This is a fantastic film. It's an extraordinary film. I have never seen a film. I've watched thousands of films, probably more than you. I know you're in the business, but I'm twice your age, Craig. Um, <laughs> and uh, Sally, you've seen loads of films as well. Um, I've never seen a film like it. So, so where the heck did it come from? First of all, tell people what it's about, you know, in, in 12 words or less. And then tell us, tell us where the seed was sown and how the heck you got it to grow. Oh, thank you very much for those kind words. I really appreciate that. Um, so it's, the movie is called Eternal Beauty, and it's about Jane, who is diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, and it's about her navigating her way through life um, and dealing with her family. That's pretty much it. Um, and it is a drama with, uh, um, uh, you know, peppered throughout, I hope. Um, the movie came, actually, it was inspired by somebody that I know and somebody that I grew up with, and she's so incredible, and... 
uh, a couple of years ago. Recently, uh, a couple of years ago, I realised how how powerful she is at dealing with what she's dealing with, and I thought it was time to share her with the world, and people should know her. It's like a cross mm. between barbed wire and a rainbow. I mean, you just can't ignore either. It's just because it's <laughs> That's it, a great line. <laughs> but it's in parts. It's absolutely hilarious. It's completely romantic. Then it's completely uh, hopeless uh, and and terrible and desperate. And you know, it's such an awkward script and then Sally comes along and does whatever she does in the mix you cut you know you could talk about second guessing you know a a, a a narrative or a plot line you can't second guess one one second from the next with this uh, you know it's just you can't take your eyes off it guys oh, that's so nice. what a lovely thing well that's Sally that that'll be Sally for you I mean I think the, the I you know there was a time when Sally was so busy that we possibly couldn't make it with her and I didn't really want to make the movie and that's no disrespect to any other actress but nobody else could have really done this the way Sally did it she's just absolutely amazing well when somebody trusts you and you know it, it does give you wings <laughs> or it sort of enables you to well have a go at anything and because there was that environment and I do trust Craig implicitly 100% you know he I know that he and he has that that eye and it, it helps with you know knowing someone so well and that they are your dear friend and that you can play and you can take this risk because invariably you will you can only do it in that way because she does you know that she lives on that knife edge every single day and is tottering as you so beautifully put it should be a tagline on a t-shirt but um that that is that is the nature of those those sort of people that are struggling you know with such extreme conditions it's it's both terrifying and um and yet magical you know sort of um those worlds that they inhabit um and I, I think it's the power of Craig's imagination that, and, and his knowledge. You know, he has a complete understanding of how such a condition can affect not only one person, but the whole family and the people around them. And um, it's seen in such a beautifully positive way um, that can only give you hope. And um, it's quite rare, I think. It's, it's sort of embraced with such compassion and that, that's such a powerful place to start from. Uh, Sally, I love you to death. <laughs> Haven't seen you for ages. Um, let's try I love you more. Change that. Good. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Craig, I've never met you, but I love you too. Um, I love so, you too, Chris. Vass, thank you. Vass is here. He watched yes. the film too. So did Rachel. Guys, just a quick speak to that. Speak to the movie for quickly. I just find it absolutely hypnotic. It, yeah. it was unlike anything I'd seen before, mm. and it completely drew me in. It was spellbinding. It was a real privilege to watch it so thank you for making it yeah a big thank you for making it i don't think i'll ever forget the film and also i think i'm i think i prefer the me that's watched the film than the me before having watched the film i just think it's that (laughs) it's that good no i know what you mean oh god it made us have to be better people oh no we watched we thought tomorrow we've got to be better by a long way (laughs) no that's that all starts when we finish this show all right you two uh, off you go thanks very much um thank you so much thank you you're welcome you're both, you both geniuses. You. Love you Thank too. You. Eternal Beauty in cinemas and on demand Friday the 2nd of October. It really is a very, 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 very special film. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio.
He may be last in the phone book, but if you're casting a movie, he's the first person you call. His brand new film, The Boys in the Band, drops today on Netflix, and here to tell us all about it is the Star Trek superstar with a famously Volcando attitude. For those about to Spock, we salute you. It's the always wonderful Zachary Quinto! <laughs> what an intro. Wow. Thanks so much for having me. That was magnificent, Dave. <laughs> it was magnificent. Oh my God. Let's just do that again. <laughs> <laughs> So poor old in content and in delivery both. Super. Poor old Zachary is uh, he stayed up to talk to us in LA. Well, he's not stayed up, but he was watching a movie, and then a, an alert went off on his phone. Nine forty-seven. Oh my god, I've got to talk to this guy in the UK about my new amazing film. What film were you watching first of all, Zach? I was watching a, a documentary on Netflix called My Octopus Teacher. Oh, tell us about that. It's about this guy in South Africa who uh, goes free diving in the kelp forests off the Cape of Storms and uh, meets an octopus and they become friends and he goes every day for like a year uh, and, and, and charts the, the life of this octopus. It's mind-blowing. It was incredible. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Have you, been yeah, wa- really amazing. Ha- have you seen The Social Dilemma on Netflix? I have seen The Social Dilemma. What do you Dilemma, think yeah. of that, baby? subsequently uh, deactivated all my notifications (laughs) on my phone. I mean, what are we supposed to think of that? It's not a good, it's not great. Not great. I mean, we all had an idea that was going on, but when you see it like that, you think, oh, really? Oh, God. That's the thing about it. It didn't really, to me, it didn't, um, I, I didn't, there was nothing there that blew my mind. It was all stuff that we had an awareness of on some deep kind of hidden level that we all chose to ignore, I think, as much as possible. And, and then it was all culminated in one place, and uh, yeah, the, the 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 amalgam of it all was pretty uh, overwhelming. So, what can we do? What can we do? Um, I've only just joined the Ozark party. Have you seen that with mm. Jason Bateman? I've seen some of it. I haven't seen it all. Uh, I would like to dive more deeply into that. Um, but yeah, I've been I've been watching uh, lately. I've been watching this documentary on HBO called The Vow, um, which is a a documentary about this cult here in the United States called Nixium. That's pretty mind blowing. Um, I've been, I've been deeply engaged in some documentary stuff lately, which I really love. Documentary is always my jam. Got it. All right. The boys in the band, not a documentary, but quite documentarial. Mm -hmm. So who are the boys? Mm -hmm. Who's the band? And whose is that swanky apartment I was looking at? Yeah. So the story is about a group of, um, close gay friends in 1968 New York who come together to celebrate a birthday party um, for one of their own. Um, And uh, the apartment belongs to a character called Michael, played by Jim Parsons. The birthday party is being held for a character called Harold, played by me. And, uh, and, and, And chaos ensues as the evening unfolds. And everyone gets deeper into their cups. Um, It's pretty, uh, it's, it's funny, but it's also, you know, kind of deeply troubling and moving in the end. Um, you know, the play, play was written in 68 and then the movie uh, originally was made in 1970 directed by William Friedkin. And this is our, um, reimagining of it now, 52 years later, directed by Joe Mantello and, yeah, Jim Parsons, me, Matt Bomer, Andrew Reynolds, a, a amazing cast, um, of, of actors. Um, yeah, it's a really exciting journey that we've been on. We did the play on Broadway in 2018, so then we we got to come back and make the movie. It's been a whole ride that's been um, one of the more unique and and 
um, celebratory experiences recently for me in my career. It's been really amazing. So as a gay man in L.A. in uh, 2020, you know, how, how does it compare? How do you think it compares or did compare being a gay man in New York in 1968? Mm. Well, I mean, I think the fact that, you know, every, every actor in the film is gay. Um, all of the actors in the movie are the same actors that played the roles on Broadway. Um, and uh, and I think it's a, a, an enormous testament to how far we've come that the actors who originated these roles in, in the late 60s and early 70s um, were up against some incredible challenges and obstacles in their personal and professional lives as a result of even being associated with a play uh, or, or a film like this. And so I think that in and of itself is a, is a testament to how far we've come that all nine of us are out and successful and thriving and integrated in our own ways. And, um, we, we represent in, in a lot of ways, the distance we were able, able to travel as a result of the contributions and the sacrifices of those original cast members. So in, in many ways, this is a celebration of them and we're honoring them. And Mark Crowley, the playwright who sadly died earlier this year, um, by telling this story. And uh, and that's a great honor, but it's also been a tremendous amount of fun. My favorite line from any, any review is this one. It's a strange, compelling dose of unhappiness. Mm, mm-hmm. Strange, compelling, yeah, dose. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that. I mean, Harold is a... Uh, he, he lives through saying exactly what he thinks uh, and also combined with the fact that, you know, through the course of the movie, he drinks at least a, an entire bottle of wine, smokes two joints and, uh, you know, shoots a giant tumbler full of vodka and has probably taken at least two or three pills before he even got to the party. So there's this there's this whole sort of haze of uh, of unfiltered um, communication that happens with Harold that it, that is it is rooted in a deep unhappiness but the unhappiness was societal for these men you know the world outside of the door of this apartment didn't want anything to do with them didn't want them to exist and Mm. so there was this deep well of unhappiness for gay men who lived at this time they didn't feel like they could uh, fully inhabit who they were they didn't feel like they could be authentic and be successful or happy and uh and and it took a great toll and a lot of a lot of times the resentment that that generated had nowhere to go but uh, but to be directed at one another. And that's what you see in this, in this piece, right? These are, these are people who love each other, who would, you know, who would lay down and die for one another, but they'll also kill each other with their observations and their, um, their accusations. And, um, the way that they talk to each other yeah. sometimes is really unsettling. Cheers, Zachary. <laughs> Thank you, man. Take care. Have a good day. Lots of love. Bye-bye. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. We've heard from three top draw guests already, but there's still so much more to come. 
The outstanding Jessica Brown Findlay tells us all about bringing Aldous Huxley's classic novel to life in the brand new Sky One series, Brave New World. Miles Kane gets into the groove and takes us with him with news of his epic supergroup, The Jaded Hearts Club, and their debut album, The Massive You've Always Been Here. And cleaning icon angel Mrs. Hinge tells us about her gleaming new book, her autobiography, This Is Me. All of that and more still to come. So let's get right back to the action. Dapper Dave, who's next? They say life begins at 40. Well, not according to our next guest. Life actually begins tomorrow night on BBC One at 9pm. <laughs> Out of the ashes of Dr Foster comes your next televisual obsession. And here to tell us more is a lady that wowed in Sky One's Cobra and continues to do so. It's the stunning Victoria Hamilton. Morning, Victoria! <laughs> very Fish clever. Yes. Well done. He's very good, isn't he? He's very good. Right, now listen, everyone. Uh, listen out, uh, because Victoria's now going to explain... How the heck uh, she um, parachuted her character in from Dr. Foster (laughs) to life. Now, um, pay attention at the back here. Over to you, Victoria. Uh, I I genuinely don't think it was ever a plan. Um, I had no idea. When Mike Bartlett, who wrote Life and also wrote Dr. Foster, sent me the script for this, for Life, um, I started reading it and he'd written me this wonderful character called Belle and I got about a third of the way through the script and with all of my scripts I thought, God, I love this, this is this is wonderful, um, I love this character. She really reminds me of Anna from Dr Foster, it's interesting, but she she's really like Anna and I kept reading and thought, there's such parallels, isn't that... And emailed Mike and said, she really reminds me of Anna and he went, yeah, Anna Belle. This is Belle. She was calling herself Anna in Dr. Foster. It's Anna Belle. It's the same person at which point I went, oh, and felt very <laughs> stupid and realised that he'd written the character through. I think Mike says that when he was working on the second series of Dr. Foster, the wonderful thing about Mike is when he talks about his writing, he talks about hearing voices and he talks about the point where his characters start to do things that surprise him when he knows that he's sort of... Which I know when he's writing is when he's just channelling and when he's being brilliant is when he just hears these voices and is writing them down and his characters start to surprise him. And he said, my character, out of the blue, said, do you know what? I'm moving. I'm leaving. I'm getting divorced. I'm going to move back home. I'm going to go. I'm going to start a different life somewhere else. I had no idea when I said those lines in Dr Foster that that was actually going to become, you know, another storyline in a different series. No idea. And he he certainly didn't tell me that. So it was as much of a surprise to me as it was to everybody else, I think. But I don't think I've ever seen this done before. I don't think I've ever seen one character picked up out of a series and put down in a completely different series that is a whole universe of its own. You absolutely do not need to have seen Dr Foster to enjoy life. You could come to life completely fresh, not having seen either of the Dr. Foster series and it, and it just wouldn't matter. Well, well here um, I am living proof because I have never seen Dr. Foster. Well, there you go. And it's not because I don't like telly and I don't like you and I don't appreciate much writing. I just I have a million children. Sometimes you don't have time. But I did watch Life. Now, you've seen both, haven't you, Rachel? <sighs> so did you recognise Anna Bell? Straight off the bat or no, not? No, no. I, I knew because we'd been given a heads up that it was one of the characters from Dr. Foster was back. And when I realised it was you, I was so thrilled because I loved Dr. Foster. I lapped up Dr. Foster. It was such a fantastic series. I do feel like I've them. missed out on Dr. You Foster. You need to go back should, and watch you it. You should catch up with okay, Dr. Foster because we'll it, it was... God, Roger yes, that. It but it just gives that extra edge. I mean, life is amazing anyway because you've got these sort of four different sort of people, groups of people living in this house. Yeah. And each of them have got... Each group has got... So 
so much going on. Yeah. But also with you, I'm just watching going, when's it going to happen? Is Neil going to turn up? What's, is there going to be something? Who, who the heck's Neil? Neil, Neil is my ex-husband. Right, okay. Who I From left. Dr. Foster. From Dr. Foster, Anna. who turns up again in life Got it. to um, sort of catastrophic effect. Okay. Yes. Right. But it's just lovely as a big fan of Dr. Foster. It's lovely to watch life thinking, oh, there she is. <laughs> I wonder what happened with her. <laughs> but like you say, because there have been spin-offs before. Frasier is one of the most yes. famous ones. Yes. But it's Frasier as Frasier, just in a different situation. Um, but this is this is interesting because many people would like to start again. And she sort of has, hasn't she? Well, she she's trying to does. anyway. She absolutely does. But one of the, the great thing about this series is it's, you know, I know because it's one character crossing over from another series, um, there's sort of, it started to be called a Dr. Foster spin-off, which it really isn't. It's, um, it, it is a makeup. It is very much a company of actors yeah. and each storyline is given equal weight. Um, you meet these people who are living in this house, living in four separate flats in this house. They've not all got um, just four massive houses that look the same. No, we no. Mu- we must point that out. That would have been a whole other universe. Yeah. Maybe that's the next thing. Maybe that's the Mike, next if thing. you're listening, if they what are your really, characters really telling you today? To some money. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you meet them and they've all been living in the, this house for a, a period of years. And as is very often the way, I mean, we've all had this experience where you live in a house or you live in a flat and you're literally cheek by jail with people yeah. you hear their arguments through the walls you hear everything through the walls mm-hmm. but in the morning when you leave the flat and lock your front doors you nod at each other or mumble hello and that's it yeah. and you're actually witnessing each other's lives but never talking to each so other never connecting isn't it? it's so interesting and i think particularly for now with what we've all just been through over the last 6 months and continue to go through this this theme of being forced to connect with people that actually it's what we all desperately need but we all find it incredibly hard to do in your career as far as your career curve has been concerned how does how are you out of 10 how is this period in your career oh this is this, this is, is 10 is this it this is 11 this is, yeah. a, this is as good as it's ever been I, for you it is and and the, the amazing thing about that is that the huge surprise factor of that because certainly as I was growing up as a performer as a woman you just dreaded hitting 40 you, you dreaded it right because there were no parts for actresses of the career 40. menopause the career menopause and I just I'm so grateful that I am living at this time where suddenly as of the last six or seven years um, women have started to lead projects. I think it started with The Killing and Borgen and all those amazing series where suddenly women in their 40s were um, playing these real 3D leading roles. Isn't and, it um, funny you talk about The Killing? That seems like thing. centuries ago now, doesn't, doesn't it? it? So much has happened televisionally fr- dramatically since then. All but good. Remember how powerful oh, that, that was and Borgen and things like that when, you know, but one of the most extraordinary things that it was real-looking women yeah, yeah, yeah. playing real leads yeah. and... Um, believable Believable leads. That's leads. the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Believable, yeah. extraordinary characters. Yeah. Because if you can get a character that's extraordinary and believable, yeah. then and that's the goal. And who more powerful because of their realness, because the realness of their characters, yeah. their sexuality, their, all of that. Yeah. Victoria, thank you for coming in. Thank you Victoria, for having me. Victoria, bothering to come in live. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it because it changes the dynamic of the interview. Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely to leave the house and come in. Okay. Do something. Right, live starts tomorrow at 9 pm, BBC One, and Cobra starts filming season two as soon as it possibly can. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. 
Dapper Dave, give her the big intro. Global movements against racism are centre stage and nobody is more equipped to write about it than our next guest. Her latest book, The Power of Privilege, is out today and here to tell us more is an author, a TV presenter, an activist and a director of creative diversity all wrapped up in the brilliant human that is June Sarpong. Good morning, June. Hey, hello. I could come into the studio. If they had, I would be there. Well, I was just given the phone up. I know. I thought you. I thought you would have come in. Sorry, I, it's nobody. It's nobody's bad in particular. It must have got lost in translation. Now, Graham Norton, we couldn't get rid of him yesterday. He was here for like. <laughs> he was here for most of the day. I think he did drive time with Kate Laura in the end. Very welcome. No, but June, you are always welcome on the show. If we can get you in the building, which we still can, uh, as things stand at the moment. Uh, next time, please come see us again soon. Soon as you like. Don't of really course, mind. I would love to, Chris. One hundred percent. How are you? How's things going? I'm good, darling. I'm really well. How are you? Yeah, no, fantastic. Thanks very much. Um, you're so busy, though. Just, I mean, Dave's intro, you know, he, he does the highlights, he does the headlines. But you've always got so much going on. I mean, do, do you have a structure to your, to your day, to your weeks? Or do you have to, are you always spinning plates? No, I have to have a structure. <laughs> Otherwise, nothing would get done. <laughs> and the thing is, I'm not by nature. I mean, I'm a Gemini, so I'm not by nature a structured person. Right. But I've had to become one. Otherwise, yeah, nothing would get done. So, is, is your main job director of diversity? Is that is that like a full time gig? No, three days a week. Three days so a week. Three days a week. Okay. Uh, I, I'm going to be doing that, and then the other two, I. Okay. This other stuff. Um, was there a director of diversity before you? Is it a new role? It's a new role, newly created. Um, right. So first one. So, so, yeah. so, so fantastic that that's happened. Fantastic that you are the first ever director of diversity for the BBC. Uh, what did you do um, You know, on, on your first day in the job? How, how do you begin to map all that out? Meet people and listen, really. That, mm. that kind of was the first bit, just to meet people, listen, and then sort of, formulate a plan from there really right and where are you with the plan where are you with the strategy moving forward uh, new strategy comes out in november right. uh, so yeah i think a year in you know i've been able to sort of understand the place more so yeah and how will how will that be i mean will you make get up and, and make an announcement will tim davey be part of it will it be a big sort of sort of lots of people um saying lots we'll, of we'll, inspirational we'll things be, yeah we'll be making announcements in november yeah okay definitely. and we'll be yeah, they, so we'll, can i come back then yeah absolutely. no of course you can <laughs> uh, i mean if you don't mind if you forgive us we won't take the bbc feed live if that's all right um that's all right uh, but we'll, we'll definitely have you back absolutely okay. bring tim with you if you like we can talk about old times my goodness me we, totally he and i've been through, through a few things to we got a few stories to tell. <laughs> and um, what will happen? Will will there be a strategy of directives or ideas? Will it be nuanced? Will it be pretty um, blatant? How is it going to manifest? I think a combination, really. You know, I think it's just about processes and systems to um, make things as easy as possible, as straightforward right. as possible. Okay. Uh, so, listen, uh, you have this beautiful little book out now, The Power of Privilege. Um, yes. It's, it's very handy. It's handbook-sized. Um, yes. D- did, this, did you have to do this? Did you feel moved and you just had to... Was it, was it your responsibility to get this book out? You know, it's a funny thing. So, I... So obviously, remember when I came uh, on the show last time with Diversify, and, and off the back of Diversify, obviously, I was going around the country talking to lots of groups of people... And the thing that kept coming up, particularly from white people in the audience, was what can we do? How can we be allies? And so I actually started writing the book a couple of years ago. Um, But at the time, my publisher just didn't think there was necessarily a market for that, even Mm. though I knew because people were constantly asking me. 
And then obviously when the sad um, killing of George Floyd happened, it just became obvious that this book was really needed. And they said, you know, can we revisit the book that you talked about a couple of years ago? Like, okay. Um, And then obviously we've added all of the sort of current stuff. So it's very, very current in terms of where we are right now. But it's very practical, you know, how to be an ally, how to use your privilege as as a white person society that perhaps has the most, um, uh, agency in our society to, to use that to help those that don't. So, yeah, it's very sort of practical and to do. And also not judgmental, because I think we need to move away from that sort of blame game and finger pointing. Yeah. It's all about actually how we can collaborate and work on creating a fairer society for everyone, particularly now. Okay, and so you don't have chapters, you have action. So action one, action two, yeah. uh, three, mm-hmm. two, and action ten. And so yep. um, achieve awareness, make a small step with a big footprint, uh, build sustainable inclusivity, do the white right thing. I like that. Uh, educa- educate yourself about the past, create a level playing field for women of colour, make a bigger pie, be an ally, inspire more allies, redefine what it means to win and act now. Now, this book is out today. It's yes. out today in ebook and audio form. We were blessed with physical copies, which are rather beautiful, I have to say. Yes, um, and, and it's in physical too. Oh, it and is it's physical. a small little handbook, as you said. Okay, I've got um I've got your bibliography here. 2017 Diversify How to Challenge Inequality and Why We Should. 2018 The Power of Women. 2020 The Power of Privilege. But I seem to have a future book here from 2021. <laughs> Something's coming to visit us from the future. <laughs> the only one in the room. Is that right? Yeah, that's coming. No, 2022, that is. 2022? Yes. Oh, my yeah. What's happened in 2022, yes. June? You, June, what happens to COVID-19 and Brexit? Please tell us. <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. All I know is I want it to be gone. That's all I know. <laughs> no, well, I guess my guess is definitely not as good as yours because you're more informed than I am. Um, Never. June, this is awesome. It's great to talk to you. Let's say it again. Uh, the Power of Privilege is out today in ebook, physical form, and audio book. And I'm presuming you've voiced the audio book yourself. Yes, I did. Yeah. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. that, that's the one yeah. you want to get because mm-hmm. he doesn't want to have a bit more of June yeah. in their ears. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's great to talk to June. Come and see us. Let's 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 do. Yes, s- please. Yeah. Let's do. Yes, some- please. June Sarpong on great form, wasn't she? Yeah, on great best. form. Thank you, June, for that. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Uh, the Power of Privilege out to date ebook, audiobook, and in this little gorgeous physical handbook in black and white. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. If you're a fan of the Instagram, our next guest will already be well and truly on your spit polished radar. She's the Queen of Clean, and her brand new autobiography, This Is Me, is out now. This they say is me. they say cleanliness is next to godliness, but right now, you, dear listener, are right next to the squeaky clean Mrs. Hinch. Good morning, Sophie. In. This book is your fourth book, and it's more about you than anything else. So it is an autobiography, and um, you've decided to write it for a few reasons. Uh, just give us a couple of those. It's been one of those times where I thought to myself, if I don't do something now and I don't speak up, um, and I never really will. So I was very surprised that with my first book, it was packed mainly of like all my cleaning tips and hacks and things. Um, but there was a few bits in there about me and. My followers messaged me a lot to say, Soph, can I know a bit more about this and, and that and how did you do this and that? And I thought maybe that they want to know a little bit more about it and bless them, they've been amazing. Um, the response has been unbelievable. So I'm very, very lucky. Yeah, because no road is, nobody's road is without its bumps. And, um, and you know, yours are, yours are very helpful. You know, once, once people open up about these things, especially if they have people who sort of really bought into them and really, they, people really like you, they respect you, inspire them, you know, and they, they you know, they 
often feel vulnerable, and um, then you say, "Well, look, it's okay," because because look, look, you know, I, I I felt the same way. Sometimes I still feel the fa- same way. You talk about internet trolls. I see. Here's me because I'm stupid. I just thought you wouldn't have any because everybody loves you, but of course you do, oh. and you have. If I'm honest, Chris, it's because I just don't talk about it. You know, sometimes if you don't talk about it, it's not really happening. Right, right. It's one of those things where I thought, oh, just just leave it and just ignore it and it, it'll go away. But um, it seems that it, it hasn't. And um, I, I, I see so many strange sort of ri- uh, myths and rumours about myself mm. and I, and sort of crazy stuff that's just, just not true. And I think, you know, I very rarely talk about it, but it's my time to sort of have my say, you know, and... Uh, it's very exciting, but very nerve wracking. And um, I'm just so pleased I've done it. And I'm so pleased that my followers are happy with it. <laughs> yeah, and because you've been accused. I didn't know about any of this till I started researching um, for this interview. But, you you know, you've been accused of being like a fake and, and things like that. Yeah, I have. Um, to be fair, it's it's that the positive outweighs the negative a hell of a lot. Yeah, like, by miles, um, by miles. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an amazing. I'm very, very blessed, very lucky to have this journey. But I feel as though... Um, Sometimes you just need to address those things, you know, and I've got nothing, nothing to hide. So I wanted to put this book there and uh, and have these little lovely interviews and just sort of have, you know, have my say. And uh, I feel like I finally had the chance. So, yeah, it's, it's been good, but it's been a whirlwind of a journey. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, you do sound quite anxious now just even talking about it. You know, are, are you comfortable with this line of conversation? Um. Not so much, if I'm honest. Yeah, you, uh, you, don't, you don't sound completely at ease with it. But but thanks. I mean, we will carry on talking about it because you 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 know you talk about this as a school. You you know you quite anxious as a little girl at school as well. Yeah, it's, you know what? When I was um, working on this book, my, there was a point when my mum was around at the same time, and I was and chatting, chatting to my mum, and it ended up bringing up a lot of bits that I didn't actually know about myself when I was younger. And she said, explained a lot of things about me, um, what I was like, and. And if I'm honest, it opened up a lot to sort of realise that it, it sort of starts with you from a young age, you know, mm. there doesn't really have to be something that triggers it. And um, and I just hope that my followers or, or my readers can understand that it's OK to, to be this person. It's OK to feel this way. You're not a bad person for that. Um, and you're not a failure and you're not, you know, you're not unwell. You're just... You're okay. You just have have to work on a few things, and that's what I'm doing. And uh, yeah, I think it's called being human, called, isn't it? That that's what it is yeah. in the end. Um, never wanting but to I become. Think, I think as well, you can be the you can come across and just be the most happiest go lucky person. But mm. th- I think sometimes it's okay to have those days, you know. Yeah, I agree. Just days when you think, oh, I just want to stay in bed today, and that's that's it. But you you know you have to get up and you smile and you keep you keep going, you know. Sophie, you <laughs> Sophie. are such an inspiration to so many people like during lockdown I had your first book and I hinged my house from top to bottom <laughs> and it sparkles and yesterday I was getting my nails done and Roxy who does my nails I said that you were going to be on the show today and she is obsessed with you <laughs> and had so many questions and you share a beautiful story at the start of your book about when you were in a store doing a signing and a GP came up to you and what did she tell you about her patients? Um, I was with my manager at the time and she just stopped me and she showed me her lanyard and she said, Sophie, I'm, I'm, I'm um, or Mrs. Hinch, she said, I said, no, 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 Sophie, don't, don't. And she said, I've, uh, I've got a lot of patients that come in and all say that they, um, that they, they love watching you and they feel part of something and, um, they no longer needing their sort of antidepressants and they're feeling part of something. And, and I just, you know, when you sit there and you think, wow, what is going off here? Like that really, that was the biggest thing that anyone's ever said to me. And 
she said if we could bottle you up and prescribe you we would and I said oh my like oh my gosh yeah. like what is going on my, my manager was crying and I was like I don't know what to say I didn't know what to say um but things like that make it all good, you know. Vassos, over to you. Well, Sophie, I was, uh, I was, I enjoyed the book greatly. So thank you for writing it. I really did. Um, but I was very surprised, and our Labrador <laughs> Holly was very jealous uh, that your <laughs> that your gorgeous Henry seems to be allowed on the sofas. <laughs> he's there. He's on here right now. Hey, believe it or not. Henry. <laughs> he's loving life. Um, he's absolutely loving life. Bless me, he hasn't got a clue what's going on. Um, but he's a. Uh, yeah, he's amazing. Well, your Labrador, how old? Our Labrador is Our Labrador. 10 and she's never she's never so much as looked at a sofa. She, she I mean she knows that the sofas are completely off limits to her. Absolutely not. But then she sees she sees your hair and your and your Mrs. Hinch for goodness sake. She's not allowed on the sofas because the sofas have to stay clean. But your Henry without so much no. as a buy your leave sitting on the sofa having a great time. Do you know what? I think people think that my house is uh it's spotless. It's, it's far from it, guys. It's just, I enjoyed pottering on at home. I enjoyed doing bits and people enjoy watching, which is amazing. But um, yeah, my dog's on the sofa. He walks through the house with his muddy paws. It, <laughs> it's just a normal house. And uh, maybe I should start shining a bit of that, should I? <laughs> Listen, well done you. Um, any 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 like, uh, new hacks that you've discovered? Uh, dog hairs. There you go. If you've got a Labrador, get your squeegee out, use it on your rug, on your carpets, everything like that. It's better than a Hoover. Can you yeah. believe it? Um so get that out and you'll, you'll be surprised what you can collect. <laughs> so a friend of mine used to get their dustbuster out. I don't know if this is advisable or not. And they used to hoover the dog so they didn't have to hoover the house every morning. I don't, <laughs> know, if, I don't know if that's allowed. I don't know. No. Okay. No. Well, I don't I know. I don't know, <laughs> Mrs. Hinch. I don't know. No. Lovely to talk to you. Listen, we are coming to get you. We're going to come round for a cup of tea um, and we won't take no. We're not going to take no for an answer, Sophie. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. If you watch the news and wish you lived in a utopian society where everyone was happy, then think again, matey. All episodes of the superb Sky original Brave New World on Sky One are available today. The future's not so dystopian when it includes this brilliant show. Please welcome the sci-fi stunner Jessica Brown Finlay. Good morning, Jessica. <laughs> Good morning, how are you doing? Well, we're doing very well, how are you? Yeah, I'm great, thanks. Yeah, uh, your show's fantastic. Have you seen it yet? Oh, cheers, man. Yeah, um, yeah, I got to watch it during lockdown. Um, I was very grateful because <laughs> I guess with no shows really being able to film for such a long time, it was brilliant being able to see something new. Oh. So, yeah, I've, I'm sort of looking forward to watching them all again, though. What a production. I mean, this is, it's massive. It's it's beautiful on the eye. It's very easy on the eye. There's lots of things to look at for the eye, um, you know, and that's why it's on at nine o'clock and after is what is why. <laughs> um, but just, I mean, the sets and you know i talked to people a lot of people about this go oh it's cgi wasn't really there but there's so much of part of this uh, new london um that seems to be real what was it where was it like could you see it from the moon <laughs> i mean it was it was amazing we we so so many of the sets that um were built we really sort of filmed in those spaces it was it was incredible um there's a scene where we're on the sort of a new version of the tube, basically. And instead of a blue screen, there was this huge LCD sort of screen and New London just went sort of whizzing past the window. I sort of had that feeling that I was, you know, when you're sitting on a train and a train next to you moves and you think you're moving. That's kind of what I had when I was filming in the studio. It was wild. It was absolutely incredible. But it's all white, it's all crisp, it's all clean. It's all all sort of, of, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, synth heavenly, isn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a world that's been designed so that it can continue. It's very clean. There is no waste. Everything is, there is enough for everyone. But that world is very, very small and selective. So, yeah, yeah there's, and there's lots, the there's lots of white. I mean, it must have been a nightmare, you know, when you, when you, in between takes, when you go for some food and everybody's wearing like, the purest white. The wardrobe department is thinking, please, don't, please, no, don't, don't have the oxtail soup, please. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. I mean, I um, I always drink my coffee black, and so oh, I'm always sort of, you know, kind of like having it like whilst leaning right out. So I was always a bit nervous. <laughs> right, the story, Jessica. Um, <laughs> when, when did you read Brave New World, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World? First of all. Well, I first read it once I got the job. It's in, it's so interesting that um, something that sort of started so much of of that kind of storytelling um, was not kind of in my repertoire. I sort of read a lot of George Orwell and um, Margaret Atwood and and sort of, but never but never that book, that particular book. Mm. Um, and yeah, so I sort of went into the source. Once, once I, once I got the job, but very quickly for me, for Lenina, my character, she's much more prevalent in the scripts. Right. So quite quickly, it became apparent that for me to really sort of delve into the depths of her, I would find a lot. I would find sort of more richness in the scripts than the book. It's funny though, isn't it? Because, because straight away, even if you haven't read the book, you get it because. Um, infidelity is uh, is is the is is welcomed, and fidelity is frowned upon. It's just so topsy turvy. Mm. It's not true. Yeah, it's a it's a really interesting thing. It's just sort of his his way of his sort of fear and what he was writing about was that society as a whole would sit back and allow their freedoms to be taken away. I guess due to um, life becoming easier. And um, if they were told they were happy, they'd sort of accept it, um, which it's just it's really interesting. Everything's upside down. I had to sort of obviously, you know, when someone might find something shocking in our world, it would be completely mundane um, in, in New London and then vice versa. So there was a lot of kind of balancing of, of that for me. And I, lo- I love them. The first time, it's the first time we see New London, the white shop, New London, because it's all there, isn't it? The, even the London eyes there in disguise. Yeah, it's sort of so like when, as the series goes forward, you realise that this, it's kind of sort of modelled on London, um, and yet without that sense of history, and yet underneath, I'm kind of the notes for like so many of the new Londoners. Old London, this sort of sunken, overgrown, tree kind of filled city is underneath. Um, and yeah, so it's kind of haunting in that in that way that it's just floating above this old world. Do you know what I thought, Jessica, when I watched it yesterday? I thought, this is what London's a bit like now. <sighs> yeah, I mean, it's um, super clean, but it, yeah, <laughs> it is. It's quite um... and it's peaceful. It's more peaceful. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And you think if if yeah. if, if, if millions of people don't ever come back to work here because there's a lot more green in New London than there is in London as we speak today, mm. you think you think. You could sort of see it going that way, I mean, you know. But this often happens, doesn't it, with these genius authors? Yeah, I mean, I think there's there's a lot. I mean, it's you know, it's nearly a hundred years old the the novel, and and yet sort of what Huxley sort of the crux of the novel and what sort of what he was kind of talking about is is so prevalent. And there's you know, there's even a moment within um, within our story where 
um, one of the characters is, de- is described as this virus infecting the city. Oh, no. And if it infects the city, it will sort of tear apart how society is functioning. And I'm not going to lie, when I was watching that in lockdown, I thought, oh, my word. I know, I know. I thought the same <laughs> you know, thing. Just when you think it couldn't be more, more relevant. <laughs> uh, congratulations to you and the whole gang. This is a proper, proper, massive TV show. So well done. Uh, thanks so much for being here. Have thanks a lovely so weekend. Bye-bye. Thank you, too, my love. Bye. Cheers, Jessica Brown-Finley. Brave New World. It's a Sky original. And all nine episodes available on demand from today on Sky One. via Sky Q. It is huge. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show. With Sky on Virgin Radio. Take a slice of Mr. Kane, add a dash of the Zootons, a dollop of Jet, a generous lashing of Blur, and marinate in a saucepan of Muse, and you'll have one of the tastiest supergroups of all time. The Jaded Heart Club's debut album, You've Always Been Here, is out today, so please welcome the man that's helped cook it all up. It's Miles Kane! Yay. Hiya. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Right? Good morning. Good morning, good yes. morning, good morning. What's going on? This is so cool. I know, here we are, man. Here yeah. we are. What a pleasure to see you. Tell us about the supergroup. Yeah, well, it started a few years ago uh, when I was living in uh, in Los Angeles and we just started this um, for Jamie's 40th, one of the lads in the band. We put together this covers band and it as a as for his little private party in this bar. And it, everyone just enjoyed it and it grew. And over a few years, it became what it is today, really. So who's in it? And musically, where where would we usually know them from? Uh, so you've got the drummer is uh, Sean, and he was in a band called the Zootons. Yeah. Uh, Graham Coxon from Blair uh, plays guitar. Right. Matt Bellamy on bass. I sing and Nick from Jet sings and Jamie, who is the sort of curator that knew everyone that pulled everyone together, uh, plays guitar as All well. All right, and the Jaded Hearts, who came up with the name? I think that was uh, that was Jamie as well. Jamie's like the mini Brian Epstein, but also in the band. It's funny because it is a supergroup. It is a, a bona fide, absolutely qualified supergroup. But of course, supergroup is a bit it, of a it's a bit of a sort of kitsch term, isn't it? I know, it feels like oh. it gets hard or it doesn't seem... No, not that you try and be cool, but it, it it seems to sort of, I don't know if it hinders it slightly, but it, I guess it genuinely it is, you know. No, I, I mean? don't think it does hinder it. I yeah. like it a lot. Yeah. But it's like travelling in Wilbury. Yeah, it could go either way, but it's like, it's like, it's like, it's like flock wallpaper. It's all right. I'm fine. I'm, I'm down with it. I'm cool with it. <laughs> feature it's, wall. Yeah. So, oh, a feature wall. Remember them? Of course I do. <laughs> what about our tech ceilings? Come on. I can get down with both of them, yeah, Chris. I can get down with all this kind of stuff going on. Um, so... When do you get together? How do you get together? Are, are, are people uh, allowed to be called off the bench? Are they allowed to miss a game? Yeah, is it I guess very the, football-y the, like there's that? been a there's been a few different lineups uh, over the years, and obviously, you know, we all sort of we all live in different parts of the world now, so the the lineup has interchanged a few times, and I've missed a few gigs and uh, and vice versa. But this well, when this lineup happened, we did a gig in the Hundred Club last year, yeah, and that was when it sort of seemed to be. Um, the boot seemed to fit really, yeah. and that that's where it stuck and solidified. It solidified, yeah, exactly. So, so obviously, because you you are all living all over the world, um, and you come together now and again. What is the expectation as far as you you know? Because band, bands, really amazing bands are tight, and your band, your bands are always tight. You're a very tight musician, you know. And that doesn't mean you can't wander off. You can mm-hmm. wander off and still be tight. But one of the joys is when you get a really tight outfit. And that's all about rehearsal, isn't it? That's all about... <laughs> I, I, yeah, you're right. But Christy, you know, this band, the minute 
they plug in and they start playing, it's kind of like, it's ridiculous, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. The musicianship is is at a level that is way above mine, so it makes you... No, uh, hang on a minute, back it, the truck up. No, no, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> no, it, it, on, seriously, when you look around and you see Matt on the bass and Graham on guitar and stuff, and it, it is quite phenomenal, really. Some, it still hasn't really all sort of sunk in, really, even this this record coming out and stuff. It's uh, it's all a bit of a surreal well, project that, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a way. You without know, getting too nerdy about yeah. it, right, because... Yeah. And we, I was mentioning a conversation that we had last year, um, again just now. You know, you were talking about the sophistication of songs, and we were we we just seen two artists back to back, and we won't say who they mm-hmm. are, but but and I I love them both, and I said I said artist A, wow, and you went yeah yeah yeah, and you did that yeah yeah yeah, and I said artist B, well, and you went, oh no, different class, you know, it doesn't get any better, and I went hang on a minute, artist A, you know, no, they're good, they're good, but he did it like that, and I said yeah. well, he said, well this, they're not the, the songs are quite simple, nothing wrong with a simple song, but you know for me. It's a bit too perfunctory. And so for you to say almost similar about yourself mm-hmm. standing next to other musicians, I find that unbelievable. And I, I don't I'm not I'm not buying that. You you you've got to be you're up there with these guys. Well that's nice of you to say, but I I don't know, I pinch myself, you know what I that's mean? That's different. Yeah. Pinching yourself is different. Yeah. But I, you can you can still be you can still be you can still be justified in being there. Okay. All right. Well, I'm the greatest ever, Chris. I'm the greatest. No, um, I, I don't. I don't think that. I just when I look around, and I think it was like, especially growing up, I've looked up this to all it. these people. This is it. This is I think it. you know, I've like, um, I've mimed in the mirror in my mum's bedroom to Jet songs and Blair songs. You know yeah. what I mean? So I guess, uh, I guess there's still a bit of that. Because they're quite different bands that the the, the various members of, of um, Jaded Hearts are from, and so do they bring a sort of um, it, th- the character of each of their bands yeah, with them? Yeah, everyone is a, is their own character, and you could see that. You know, there's like because Graham Coxon bring a bit of blur to it too. To yeah, it's like anything with like him and I know Matt isn't a bass player; he's a guitarist and muse, but. The sonically and the the way they play, you can hear it. You know anything with the riff on, yeah, yeah, they yeah. they bring in it, it brings this like couldn't be more oomph in these tunes, you know. And and uh, when they were recording it, I know they put a lot of time into it. They did it all in LA. I did my vocals out here in London. Right. Uh, so when they sent these tracks over for me to sing, I, I couldn't really believe it, really. Because this is a fun project. Yes. There's no it's, politics here. Exactly. Everybody's in this coming together wants to do this, and then you agree to go on tour, and it's it would be a tour like you've never experienced before because you are literally doing it for the hell of it. Yeah. You're not married. N- no. You know to yeah. each other. Yeah. You, you can go out on another date if you like next year or the year yes. after with another album. Yeah. But there's just no pressure. Exactly. Yeah, that's the whole idea. That was the birth of it as well. So, and that's a mentality that will drive it forward, keeping it like that. So, again, um, sorry to name drop, but just as a reference mm-hmm. point, uh, talking to Rod Stewart yesterday yeah. about live because he was he was supposed. He said this is the longest layoff he's ever had in his life. I think it is. I'm the same. Yeah. yeah. From not, and it, he said very similar to you. First couple of months, no problem with that at all. Uh, then uh, he's just finished recording an album. Actually, yesterday he finished it in his gym, bizarrely. Um, uh, but now he's like, <laughs> I know, and he literally cannot wait. But he said to me. He looked me in the eye and he said, um, I don't think it's going to happen next year. I don't think it's going to happen next year. I think we're looking at 2022 realistically for a proper gig. Yeah, where you can it can be sweaty and, you know, all together. Yeah. I, I, I do agree with him. That's what my gut is saying. I hope it's not, though, because, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm itching. We can get the album. It's out today. You've always been here. Great to see you, pal. Thank you. Okay, Cheers. I'm, I'm so sorry you can't go on tour. <laughs> the best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky on Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky.